thank you for your presence here today. We thank you, God, that you love us and that you have brought us all here today, uh, Lord, to hear your word. And I pray that we would have ears to hear, that our hearts would be changed and transformed by your Ruach. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. As I uh, mentioned a minute ago, today is our final message in the series we've been in this past month. The series was entitled Cultivating a Hunger for God's Presence. And... um, We have spent 21 days, it concludes tomorrow, 21 days of fasting and prayer for more of God. And as part of that 21 days, uh, we've devoted our Wednesday night service to extra prayer, along with our normal prayer times of Thursday and Saturday. And our messages have been focusing on his presence and seeking more of him. And so we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 13. In this uh, chapter, Yeshua uses many parables to illustrate truths about the kingdom of God. And we're going to focus on uh, three verses in our messages entitled, Seeking You as a Precious Jewel. So look with me at Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The PowerPoint's not working. Randy, you want to maybe go troubleshoot there? We have a new system. You might have to go out and come back in. So while they're working on the PowerPoint, you should have your Bible with you, either a tree book or e-book, and you can open up to Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, and these are the three verses, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man found it, hid it again, then in great joy went and sold everything he owned and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on lookout for fine pearls, On finding one very valuable pearl, he went away, sold everything he owned, and bought it. So first, I just want to define what I mean by kingdom of God. Obviously, there's a lot of theological significance to it, but for the sake of our message and uh, and our series that we're talking about, I want to simply state that this represents an intimate relationship with Adonai and coming into his manifest presence. You know, my heart has been captivated this past month by the words of a song that we sang this morning, and it's based on this verse here, you are my all in all. And the one line in that song that has captivated my heart, it says, seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I would be a fool. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up. I'd be a fool. As I said, we are coming to the end of this 21 days of focused prayer for more of his presence and fasting. But I don't want any of us to forget this as we go about our normal routines as individuals and as a congregation. So come Monday when you get up and perhaps the meal that you were fasting, you're going to now eat. I want us to carry into the rest of this year this hungering for more of his presence, right? As we said when we begin this, God gives us, you know, uh, On the Jewish calendar, Moedim, appointed seasons, right? And those seasons are uh, to emphasize the special truth. We're going to be celebrating Purim here in a a few months uh, in in March. And then in Passover, we're going to be celebrating in April, Passover. Passover speaks about freedom and liberty. Uh, But God is concerned about liberty and freedom the entire year, correct? But he gives us those seasons where we can focus on a certain aspect or truth of his word. And these 21 days have been a time for us to focus specifically on seeking more of him. But it doesn't mean we stop after tomorrow and just go back to life as, as, as usual, God forbid. So listen to the words of one man of God that I was reading, uh, him writing about this passage and. This is what he said. He said, I sometimes wonder if I really know what it means to follow Messiah. 
I find myself wanting to give my all for Yeshua, but end up giving him only a part. Too often my devotion is half-hearted instead of whole-hearted, like I want it to be. I'm double-minded when I want to be single-minded. I tell Yeshua that I want to stay close to him, but then I find myself drifting away. He said, I don't know what your walk with God is like, but I suspect that at least some of you can identify with me. So he says, where does devotion to Yeshua come from? What can move us into a deeper, more consistent walk with God? What can transform an uncommitted person from into a fully committed disciple or Talmud? What can turn a half-hearted believer into a whole-hearted follower of Messiah? And he went on to talk in this article about this particular passage of Scripture, saying that in this Scripture, and I agree with him, I believe that there are some principles that will help us to keep our hunger for his presence alive, to not give up on seeking more of him and more of his presence. So just look at these few things with me this morning. Again, this man, there were two men here uh, that were looking, and it says here, you know, the one was out in the field and he found this, and the other was looking for the pearl and he found it. And so the first thing that I believe God wants to share with each of us this morning is that a personal relationship with God is available to everyone. And I thought about it. This first man wasn't really looking for a treasure, was he? He was out in the field digging. We don't know why he was digging. You know, it doesn't tell us a lot about that. And, uh, you know, maybe you've not really considered uh, uh, about having a personal relationship with God, but you're here this morning. Uh, some of you may be here because you were invited for the dedication, and we're glad that you came out and blessed Joe and Judy. Others may be here because someone invited you, a friend. And uh, uh, and you may not have really been thinking about, well, having a personal relationship with God, that God wants to know you and wants you to know him in a personal uh, way. In the New Covenant, we see many people like that, and one of them was Rav Shaul, uh, he wasn't really looking for Yeshua. In fact, those of us who know the scriptures about Rav Shaul know that in contrary to that, he was a man who was trying to destroy those who actually believed in Yeshua and followed him, didn't he? So he really wasn't looking for Yeshua, and yet he found Yeshua, or Yeshua found him, right? And so this man digging in the field, he wasn't really looking uh, for a treasure, per se, but he found a treasure. So you may not have come here this morning looking for a personal relationship with God, but I'm going to tell you, you can have it. You can have it. The second man was actively seeking for this pearl. In scriptures, we see the stories of many who were actively seeking to know Adonai more intimately. And one of the people who came to mind was Cornelius in Acts chapter 11. And we read about Cornelius, and he was there praying and, and seeking God, and God heard him. And God said, you know, Cornelius, go send for Kepha, you know, Shimon, and have him come. And when Kepha came, he revealed God to Cornelius, and Cornelius came to know God in a personal, intimate way. And so the man searching for the pearl, this was a merchant, and, and that was his job, to find pearls. And he, he, he found this one. And the good news is that, you know, we're told in the scriptures that Yeshua came to seek and to save those who are lost. And all of us without him are lost, whether we're looking actively for him or not. We're all lost without him. The second thing that I believe these parables tell us is that God's presence is very valuable. Yeshua uses the imagery of a treasure hidden in a field and of a pearl. Historically, it was very common, and so the people listening to Yeshua could relate to these uh, uh, imageries that he's using probably more than we can. 
We don't go burying treasures in fields today. Uh, we might have a safety deposit box in the bank where we put a treasure or a safe hidden in our you know, house where we might hide a treasure. But in the ancient times, it was very common to bury treasures in a field. Uh, part of the reason was to protect it from invading uh, armies. Uh, from bandits that might come and uh, raid your house and things like that. So it was you know, a common thing to bury it. So who buried it in this field and, and left it there and forgot about it? Again, we're not told uh, uh, much about those circumstances, but it was very common for treasures to be buried. And then the imagery of a pearl. I guess today it would be uh, likened to diamonds, because uh, diamonds are very costly today. But the pearl in ancient days was uh, something of great value. And sometimes we don't understand how valuable God really, really is. There's a story told of a young man, uh, a kindergartner, and he came home from school one day and he said, I found a dollar on the street. And his mom was like, oh, uh, where is it? I left it. I'll get it tomorrow. Of course, tomorrow the dollar wasn't there because someone came along and understood the value of that dollar more than this kindergartner did and picked it up. Sometimes we don't really understand the value of God and his presence in our lives. When I did a search on the most valuable things in the world, uh, it came up with things that were the most expensive items uh, and so the first thing that I saw, and there's a picture of this, is a chess set. This chess set costs $600,000. Uh, it has 320 carats of black and white diamonds, and there's only seven of these sets made. Now, we're not the best chess pay- players, but we do have a collection of chess sets. You know, grandpa's gave us a couple, and we have a couple of special ones that are in our house. Uh, but none of them cost 600000 I can assure you. Uh, so $600,000 for that chess set. Uh, another one in the top 10 list was this uh, car that sold for $35 million. That car. So that's considered a valuable thing in our society today. And the third thing, this is one of the oldest... Uh, cameras that this man is holding, the oldest um, commercial camera. And this camera uh, is from 1839, and it is worth $775,000 for that one camera. So when you look at things that people place value on in this world, it's things like these. And, and, um, and most of the things that I looked on were certainly beyond my means, and I'm sure most of our means, who has $600,000 to pay for a chess set. Um, but often we value things above God also. Uh, we may not value a chess set because we would never go buy it because we don't have the $600,000, but God would encourage us, is there something else that we perhaps value more than him? in our lives. It might be some other possession, money, a job, and it's not that God doesn't want us to have a nice home and car, but as we've shared and prayed through these 21 days, we need to be careful of what we give prominence to the things in our life. Sometimes it's the approval of friends that we find to be the most valuable thing that we're looking for. But I believe God wants each of us to wake up and grasp this one truth, that he is more valuable than anything or anyone on this earth. Let me say it again. God is more valuable than anything or anyone on this earth. The Webster Dictionary defines valuable as having monetary value worth a good price, which is sort of the sense of what's being conveyed in the imagery in this parable. The second definition was having a desirable or esteemed characteristics or qualities, and symbolically I believe that's what this parable is talking about. It's not talking about monetary things. 
And when we say that God is valuable to us, we are saying that a relationship with him is something that we deem important and something that we desire. But I believe God wants us to go beyond just words expressing the desire to know him more intimately to a deep understanding of how worthy he really, really is. There is no money on earth. There is no object. object, There's no person that can come close to how worthy God is. There's another song that we sing. The words go, there's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare because you're a living hope, your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence. When you have tasted of the presence of God, you know nothing else, nothing else compares to his presence. Tehillim, the psalmist said in chapter 84, verse 1, My soul yearns, yes, faints with longing for the courtyards of Adonai. My soul yearns, it longs. What is your soul yearning and longing for in these last 21 days? He goes on to say in verse 10, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a cake keeper in the house of my God. I'd rather be a gatekeeper. There is nothing that compares to God. He is the most valuable person you will ever, ever know. And as these two men found these objects, what did they do? It says they went and sold everything they had in order to obtain these treasures. When the man digging in the field saw this treasure, he knew it was valuable. And so he said, I'm going to go and sell everything I have so I can buy this. When the man saw this pearl, this man was experienced in, as, a, as a merchant. He knew this thing was valuable, and he too went and sold everything he had. And it is important for us to understand that when we're talking about how there's a cost to knowing God intimately, We are not talking about buying our salvation because there's not a thing you and I can do to earn our salvation. Our atonement was purchased through the blood of Yeshua as we recited in our liturgy today. But with that said, there's so much that we can learn from the actions of these men in these parables. And the first thing that I thought about when I looked at these men is that There is no hesitation on their part. When they saw those treasures, when they saw that treasure, when they saw that pearl, immediately they went to purchase it, to do what they could to purchase those treasures, to purchase that that pearl. They didn't even think twice about it. Why? Because they understood its value. When you 
truly understand how valuable God is, you will not hesitate to be in his presence and to make him the priority of your life. Everything they had, they sold. Because they realized that that treasure, that that pearl, was so far better than what they possessed. And what they possessed couldn't compare to the value of the treasure they had found. Friends, I want to encourage you. God is calling us. And in this day and hour, I believe he is calling people everywhere to come into his presence, to know him more intimately. And I would say to you, do not hesitate. Understand his value and do not hesitate. What on this earth can compare to being in his presence? Selah, what in your life, what in my life can compare to really being in his presence? Their actions also told us that they reprioritized their lives. They had one priority, and that was to purchase the treasure that they had just found. So everything else in life became secondary to them. And when you see God and I with abandoned, it means you're exchanging your stuff for him, personally, for his presence. You may have to let go of something that you deem important, but I want to tell you, that when you tasted his presence as we sing in the song, whatever you had to, quote, let go of won't matter because you're going to realize that what you obtain being in his presence is far more valuable than what you gave up. Lest I am misunderstood, I simply must say that God is not telling you or me, that we cannot spend time with our family or quit our job. He's just telling us to put things in the proper order. One of the most blessed things for me in this 21 days of hunger has been uh, the time that we have sought God together as a family. Now, my children have their devotions. They've been uh, taught to do that since they were little. You know, usually in the morning is uh, our family's routine. Uh, and uh, I'm usually up early, so I have my devotions before anyone else gets up. But they'll go and have their rooms, and they'll have their devotions. But during these 21 days uh, we shared with you, we decided to fast lunch as a family. And, and we come together and, and prayed. And to me, it has been the most precious time uh, coming together as a family. What better way, time to, to spend as a family than to seek the face of God? How awesome that is. And our times coming together as a congregation, sometimes in the prayer on Wednesday and Thursday, you know, the presence of God is just manifested here in such a powerful, powerful way because he promises that when we seek him, he will be found. And sometimes it means we have to sacrifice good things for the best. As I said, these men sold everything they had. They no longer had a house or home because they sold it in order to get this treasure, this jewel. Rob Shaul wrote this in his letter to the Kehila in Philippi. But the things that used to be of advantage for me, I have because of the Messiah come to consider them a disadvantage. Not only that, but I consider everything a disadvantage in comparison with the supreme value. You hear that? The value of knowing Messiah Yeshua as my Lord. It was because of him, he said, that I gave up everything. 
and regarded all as garbage in order to gain the Messiah and be found in union with him. And when you read in the context, he had just given a list of all the things that he had achieved and all that had been a part of his life. And he says, but I gave all that up for the value of knowing him. That's what these 21 days have been about, knowing him. Not asking God for things, not that God doesn't want to be asked, but the special time of just saying, God, I want to know you more. And the other thing that I thought about the actions of these men is that finding treasure, finding the presence of God in that intimacy and going to a new level in him is something that's not going to happen on the surface. Again, there is a sacrifice, but the reward is so much greater than anything you or I give up. And when we truly know him, we will want to abide in his presence. And this imagery in the parable is that there are treasures were something that, again, wasn't just found on the surface. So it's not just, oh God, I love you, throw that prayer up and then just go about the rest of your day. If you really, really want to know him, you really, really have to seek him. But again, the good news is he says, when you seek me, you will what? Find me. And the last thing we see from this parable is that intimacy with Adonai brings great, great joy. When they found this treasure, there was such joy in their hearts. When you come into the presence of Adonai and you come to know him and to that personal relationship with him, there's a joy that you just won't be able to contain. Does this mean all our problems will go away? No. You're still going to have problems, still going to have issues, challenges in your life. But there's going to be a joy that carries you through those problems, a joy that helps you to face the challenges in life. Looking back to Tehillim, Psalm 84, the psalmist says, How happy are those who live in your house, in other words, in your presence. They never cease to praise you. How happy the man whose strength is in you. Joy in his presence. Joy in his presence. Tehillim 16:11, the psalmist says, You make me know the path of life. In your presence is unbounded joy. At your right hand, eternal delight. What Adonai is talking about and the psalmist is sharing here is not a partial joy. It's not imperfect joy. It's not joy intermingled with pain and sorrow. It's not joy uh, that doesn't satisfy. It is a joy that is full, satisfying, unclouded, unmingled with anything else that will not diminish no matter what is happening in your life. And that comes by being in his presence. And I'm going to say this joy is not found in what God does for us, although we're grateful for what he does for us. The joy is found in knowing him. In knowing him. I believe a sign of our intimacy with Adonai can be found in seeing joy in our lives. You say, I know God intimately, then there should be joy in your life. And that joy that is in your life and in my life is what will draw other people to him. And one of the prayers that my son has prayed often through this 21 days is, God, not only will we draw closer to you, but by our drawing closer to you, that others will be drawn to you. And, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. Because when we draw closer to him, we will experience his joy. And when we experience his joy, others will see that. 
So they will see that, that you are singing in the midst of the storm. They will see that you are joyful even though there are difficulties and challenges that you are facing in your life. They will see that joy even when things are, are dark around you and, and there are challenges that you might face at work and in your home. They see that joy and they're drawn to that. And when we look at this parable, we see that these men experience great joy by obtaining this treasure. When you know God, your heart will be filled with joy. Again, not that that will take away all your issues. I wish it did, but I still have issues. I still have problems. But in the midst of my issues and my problems, I can have his joy. And that makes my problems and issues a little easier to deal with. So as we come to conclude our 21 days, again, I want to encourage you, seeking him as a precious jewel, that should always be our heart's desire. Understand and know his value and come into his presence, hungering always for more of him. And he will reveal himself to you. Let's stand to our feet. As I said at the beginning of uh, the message, you know, that one man wasn't even looking for a treasure, and yet he found it. And perhaps you came here today and you were not looking to connect necessarily to, to God, but I'm going to tell you, God brought you here for a purpose and a reason, and that is because he does want you to know how valuable he is, and he wants you to know him personally. So I want to just pray a prayer together and ask you to join me in this prayer and this is uh, so you can connect to him the first step in connecting to him it's just a prayer of surrender saying God I want to know you and uh, and so I want us all to pray that together and if you are praying this prayer and making a commitment to, to know God for the first time or renewing a commitment uh, to please come up and talk to my husband or ourselves afterwards because we want to encourage you so just pray Adonai I'll pray this together. Thank you for bringing me here today because you desire me to know you. God, I want to know you, so I surrender myself to you. I thank you that you gave Yeshua to atone for my sins, and I accept him into my heart now. Amen. Amen. I just want to close a little different than usual. Can we do the song Seeking You as a Precious Jewel? Michael? I just want us to all stand, and I just want to close with this song here this morning. Again, the essence of my message that he's our all in all and that we would understand his values. Well, let's just close with this song and then I'm going to uh, close with the ironic benediction uh, and just encourage you to continue to seek more of God through the days and weeks and months ahead. Uh, so let's just uh, worship and tell him that's our heart's desire in the song. the treasure that I seek. You are my all in Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up
treasure, God. And our hearts yearn, God, desire to know you more, to come deeper into your presence.
presence of God that's here this morning. And I believe the heart of God would say to some, you have allowed life to suck you out of my presence. You've been weighed down and you've been burdened. things and by life and he'd say to you this morning just to let go to let go go of those things Bring in his presence. He's touching your heart even now. Because the enemy has done many things that has caused you to close your heart because you've been hurt. Because things have happened that you don't understand. I'm here and if you'll draw near to me you'll find release for those things he says I am good I am good and in my presence is where you belong He says, come to me, my child, and lay your burden down. Come to me and lay your burden down.
you're new here this morning, I just want to explain that this is not strange, although it may be strange to you. It's just people releasing their things to God and God ministering to them. So oh. 
just want to close with the ironic benediction for those who might feel they need to lead, leave. And um, Rabbi Michael and I are going to continue to worship for those who are able to in the sanctuary, Hebrew class for round two, and then coming back for prayer at three. Uh, perhaps you feel though you need to leave. So I want to officially close with the ironic benediction. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai. May you always, always, always hunger and thirst for more of him. Amen. Quero